Hello, and welcome to season two, episode two of Who Who Hail. I'm Kathy Chong, and I'm here with the very sleepy but hardworking Michigan Jeff. How are you doing? I can't believe this is week nine um, or week two for us uh, here in the Big Ten. Week two. Uh, in, a, in a season where it seems like every additional week of football is more and more tenuous. This might be, you know, every time I look up at the case numbers and I look up at who's sick, who's not, you were just texting me today saying, seems like everyone has it. And I was saying football is a contact sport. Um, but it just seems like, you know, every week uh, might be our last week. That's very true, Jeff. I mean, literally every single time I turn on ESPN or I look at some notifications on my phone, it's literally a COVID update and who on what team, whether it's college or pro, has COVID. So we will definitely take stock of that, but let's do that in the Around the Big Ten uh, segment after our two game recaps. Um that is unfortunately going to take up some of that segment. We were going to initially talk about funny things that happened in the Big Ten, um, like our typical second segment um, post-game on our post-game show. Um, but we might have to talk a little bit about COVID. But let's talk about happier things first. Um, let's go into, we were in, initially going to re- record on Sunday or even Monday, but both of us um both of us got uh, swamped with work. And so now it's Friday, uh, right before a Minnesota game that I want to watch. I want Minnesota to be really good so that Michigan's even better in retrospect. Um, but so I think our recaps might um, feel a little bit more like we've had time to, you know, read about the games and listen to podcasts and watch shows and really let it percolate and sink in a bit more. So I guess our recaps will be a bit more thoughtful and less sort of our initial uh, euphoria, Um, but we will uh, see, I I know mine is, but we will see how Kathy, your recap fills uh, now that we're doing it on Friday, but why don't you uh, take us away and tell us about how Indiana played last week and whether you guys are on track to win a title, Big Ten title or a national title. Absolutely. So, Jeff, I think you're absolutely right. Um, You know, Sunday through kind of Wednesday, I still didn't believe what I had seen on my screen on Saturday. Um, So there's a scene in the movie Twister where um, Bill's girlfriend, Melissa, she's not a storm chaser or anything like that. She's just along for the ride because she's dating one. And I think she sees a tornado for the first time and she just sits there and she's like, oh my God. And that is the exact same reaction that I had. I would say Saturday through Wednesday. Like I was like, is this real? Am I in some kind of twilight zone? I don't understand what's happening. Did this really happen? And I think after having a couple more days since and this being Friday, I do believe what I saw. I think what happened was amazing. And, you know, yeah, Jeff- and I, I wanted to um, actually talk a little bit since mm-hmm. I think who who hail is very much about, I don't know, we were t- kind of a little bit kitschy and talking about the soul of what we stand for, but a little bit of it is also about the, we talk a lot about the personalities on, you know, on the court, on the field. But a lot of it is also about the superstitions and and um, being a fan and all the rules. And I think it's particularly interesting, given that I've accompanied you um, on your journey to, you know, 
I think the first one of the first times I met you was at a bar where you were watching uh NFL game. Mm-hmm. And I think um it's funny because I and I don't want to speak for you, but I, I think you were is it fair to say that you were kind of sports adjacent? Like you're kind of an Indiana fan. You were at the bars, you watched the games, but it wasn't nearly as sort of deep of an engagement as you have now with different sports. I mean, now you have a podcast, you have a blog, you have, you know, you have a Twitter account. Oh yeah. Jeff, when you met me, I didn't know who Tom Allen was. Like if you had said Tom Allen, I would have been like, who is he? Does he work for IU? Was he the like, coach already in 2017? When, um, when was he hired? Do you remember? So this is his, I, I'm pretty sure he was hired around like 2016. I could be yeah. wrong. Yeah. But yeah. I, I do think when you met me, like he, I'm pretty sure he was coach. Yeah. But so the point that I'm trying to make is that you're still kind of figuring out what's what the superstitions are and i always Mm -hmm. love how you know you hear what the rules are and then you have your you ask me all the tough questions to challenge the status quo and then you also put your own spin on it sometimes with uh disastrous results like the look ahead sandwich um that we joked about on on last episode but (laughs) so one of the things that we talked about and i think really i really think that this is maybe a little bit of uh post indiana stress disorder from from all the different games that you watched but you started texting me with a minute or two left in the game and you were like just in a state of desperation and i said listen don't speak it into reality like this is inappropriate like it's very different scenario from the gator bowl where you can feel desperate after the game ends but we're still in the game like this is when i think when penn state was about to take the 28 to 20 lead um, and then they took it and then you were texting me throughout and I was like, I didn't want, even want to engage. I didn't want to like, I have all these superstitions about like jinxes and things like that. And I said, no, like, uh, no, just no, like <laughs> let Tom Allen do his job. Let the man do his job. And guess what? The man did his job. And so what I, I think I'll let you speak on sort of what you learned about being a fan from that moment. Yeah, and Jeff is not exaggerating. I mean, I think it it was it's actually before the two point um, conversion. So it was, I think we were um, it was right before overtime, and um, I think we were yeah, you were eight points behind. And I said, what's going to happen? Knowing typical IU is that we're going to make the touchdown, but we're going to miss the two point conversion. And yeah, I had already I, made I up in even my before mind before then. You were like, you were like, this is so IU. Typically, I'm looking at the yeah. timestamps. Like you were like, um, I'm looking at the timestamps. Let's see. Uh, and, and one of our fun, one of the fun things that we have is we have like an ongoing text thread uh, during the games. And I mean, part of the genesis of this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so let's me scroll up to the game. I know I was we... super negative. I think I was saying stuff like I'm tired of this shit and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, let me see. <laughs> um, let me take a look. Um, um, okay. I found it. Um, so you said, give, give us just a second. That's so funny. Cause like I'm scrolling through these texts and like, there's just so much emotions, right? <laughs> like so mm-hmm. much different emotions, um, from game day. Uh, let's see. Okay. So before the game. It was, I'm so nervous. Oh my God. And then we were, <laughs> we were talking about the lions. Um, mm-hmm. And I was looking up actually 
Brady Hoke's loss to Rutgers <laughs> and trying to take some of that negative juju off, right? Um, we mm-hmm. have lost in P- Piscataway, um, which is terrible. Um, and then you started texting me about the game. I was running the first half, um, mm-hmm. so I didn't get to see it. And then you texted me, Penix needs to slow down from Martha the Mop Lady. Yes. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, you said, you said, I have post-Indiana game disorder from Gator Bowl, I think. You actually said that, which is why I was oh, like. Oh, yeah, I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I haven't allowed myself to feel emotion either way. I won't believe IU has the lead until the game is over. And then you texted me, this is why we can't have nice things. And actually, <laughs> with the timestamp, this is when, uh, this is actually when Penn State took the 21-20 lead. Mm, yep, um, yep. Uh, I remember that now. Just with, and I texted you a screen cop. One, and, and this is valuable because I think it's like a live, you know, now that we're a little bit later. But it was one minute, 53 seconds. And you guys were at third and 21 at the IU 14. Yes. You were down by one point, And Penn State's win probability was 97 0.9% at that time. And then it says, same story every time. I'm sad. I fall for this all the time. And and then you texted me about the um getting the touchdown and missing the two-point conversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was actually mm-hmm. one from what I remembered, one sequence before that. And so I said, yeah. literally, I said, never speak this again. And this is my <laughs> like sports superstitions. I was like, too soon, and you speak it into reality. And then I, I actually, it's funny because I actually waited. Uh, I waited um, uh, until overtime, until you guys tied up the game before texting you that because I didn't want to mm-hmm. jinx it either way. That's how sort of serious I am about this. And when you <laughs> tied it up, because Penix got that sort of eight-point drive, right? Super gutsy yes. uh, before overtime because everyone's talking about the stretch and there's so many jokes about it. But okay. And so I waited until you tied up the game. And I said, the gods did not punish you this time. Um, and oh, and uh, also, Penix's weight game works. That stiff arm was beautiful. And and you said, my stiff arm is beautiful. Do you think my stiff arm is beautiful? Uh, which is <laughs> very funny. But so anyway, I, this is your recap. I don't want to um, steal your thunder. Um, but I said, uh, and then, and then oh, I'll, I'll finish up here and then I'll let you get into a recap. Um, the, the kicker took this 57-yard kick. And I remember that it was 57 yards because mm-hmm. he was 56 yards and like he missed it by like a foot, literally. Oh, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. thought it was good. It was straight down the middle. It just, you know, it just didn't make it all the way there. As I said, the gods are on your side still. Please do not invoke anything or jinx anything. You're acting like a wild person and attracting their attention <laughs> with comments that are too soon. This is no good. It's too soon. Um uh yeah and so anyway um but but so on the nature of on the nature of fandom i think uh it's you know interesting to 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 see sort of your reaction like from 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 that you know how you feel about all the jinxes and all that absolutely and i will say i was right about something because jeff my hope from last week was realized um do you recall what my hope was oh yeah um you said you wanted a signature win for the season for IU. True, but also shocking the world. Well, 
I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that that they, that actually happened. Um, okay, but Jeff, we made national news. Tom <laughs> Allen was on Sports Center. I mean, I don't know what else you want. We definitely shocked the world. <laughs> That's pretty cool. But but oh, but yeah, but no, no. I I want to talk to you about that whole like sports thing. So like, do you feel like mm-hmm. you know you'll watch till the end of the game now, or like are you still gonna be? Because I I have like friends like our friend Ian who he's like cussing during the game. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, doing, he's like the worst person to watch in game. And so my, I just said my view on the jinx, which is just, just let the men do their jobs. Don't, you yeah. know, jinx it as if, you know, me tweeting from Chicago or Boston can impact the outcome. But what's your take on that jinx? Like, cause I never got your side of it after talking to you about it. Actually, Jeff, I think that was the perfect explanation that you like texting or tweeting about the game isn't going to affect the outcome. And that is something that I actually had to remind myself about 10 times. I was like, no matter what you do, like you can't control the outcome of this game. And I think because of that, I was actually able to remain a lot calmer. Um, I was kind of emotionless during the first, I would say three fourths of the game, because I was like, you know what? It's Penn state. I've seen the same story two times before. I kind of refused to let myself get emotionally invested. I think I was trying to protect myself a little bit. Because you guys had like a lead for a long time. So Mm -hmm. as you were like, and and let's be real, like your offense didn't play well. I mean, the reason why Penn State lost is because they have Coach Franz Jenklin as their coach. Um, But but uh, but you know, and 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 it's good. Like I think one of the cliches on all the sort of sports radio talk shows this week has been on the big 10 podcasts have been like, you know, the biggest improvement for a team is between week one and week two. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's good that the game was like that. Cause you guys have a lot of game film to work on. Right. Like, whereas if it were a blowout, we always want to blow out, but with, if it were a blowout, it'd be a little harder, you know, to actually mm-hmm. uh, get the game film. But you, I think you just didn't let yourself get too excited. Uh, and then, um, and then you guys were down and then you went down with it. Like you, you, at some point you got invested. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I went from emotionless to like pissed. And then, you know, when we finally won, then I was like, oh my God, like in shock. And I remember texting you, Jeff. I was like, I honestly don't know what to do right now. Like, do I riot? Like, what do I do? And I actually <laughs> texted you that. And I totally missed that text because I was so focused on like, you know, Coach Allen's success. And uh, we'll talk about sort of the serious like my takeaways from the game after after you give the recap i keep like interrupting you from giving the recap i'm just kind of excited to be recording with you but it's so funny the riot is uh callbacks are funny and that's like a total callback to uh me getting you to promise just mm-hmm. like you promised on tape <laughs> to wear a paul bunyan costume <laughs> yes i got you to promise to riot if i you uh one i think what it, what was it like one I think even nine Windiana. Nine would, Windiana. It was yeah, nine if Windiana. nine Windiana would happen, you would riot in Bloomington or in Chicago with yourself because you're the only Indiana football fan. The in only Chicago. fan. <laughs> um, so you promised to do a one lady riot, and I totally missed that text because I was so focused on sort of what, like, what people have been calling a true, true sort of like turning point in the IU football program. Because I think, like, you know, I do think that there are. A lot of this is sort of like part of my jinxes, but I do believe a lot in things like the eye test or like a team's sort of metal and worth in ways that are sort of outside of statistics, outside of, you know, the ethos of it more like how how a team shows up, like crunch time, 
um, the big moments. And I think those moments really shape a team and we'll get more into it. But, but so I was so focused on that, that I missed the riot. But, <laughs> um, but tell us about the game and all of your feelings and all that. We'll, we'll save uh, my comments for after you give us the recap. Yeah, I'll keep the recap brief. I think by now folks have had a chance to watch replays and, and, and kind of know what happened. But Oh, I mean, um, you can walk through it. I, I guess um, we can relive it together. I don't know. Like, yeah. This is the, this is the um, you know, it's been five days, but I also want to hear about it again and relive it. So I don't know. <laughs> Pretend I didn't watch the game. Well, this is a monument to win because we beat a. This is the first time we have beat a top 10 team since 1987. And the first time at home doing that since 1967, which is which insane. incidentally the 1987 is a hoo hoo hail. That was when both the co-hosts were born, so mm-hmm, big year mm-hmm. for IU sports. You also yeah. that was probably the last time you won uh, against Michigan a basketball. Oh, last time we won against Michigan, and last t- last year for a basketball championship too. Oh, yeah, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. like the the. Indiana gave birth to Kathy Chong and then swapped yep. that for all the titles. And, and what's exactly. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, but this game resulted us in being number 17, which was the largest rise in the AP poll for the week, which is amazing. Um, Do you remember that statistic from last year? I mean, you, you and the boys always say that I'm the worst sort of IU fake anti fan, but you remember the st- statistic where like you guys were the longest unranked team ever. I think that's right. Like the longest running unranked team or something like that. Yeah. And then we passed it it on to Purdue, right? I I think that was the statistic. Yeah, I think there was this moment where like you were ranked by the AP poll, but because the AP poll hadn't ever ranked you guys, they didn't have a picture. So Yes, they didn't have the logo. (laughs) (laughs) So we scrolled down. That was like a classic moment in sports. And so for us on this podcast, but we were like looking at the rankings. It was like, how come IU has no logo? It's because we haven't been ranked. But now you're 17 and the world is good and you have a big yes. win and in crunch time, super controversial win. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, basically, I mean, Penn State, if you look at the pure numbers, they played better. You could almost make that argument because they nearly outrushed us by 200 yards. They won the turnover battle. Like, how do you outgain your opponent by 277 yards and, and still lose? Because while I think, you know, Penn State did, you know, kind of give IU every opportunity to win. And luckily, IU took advantage of that. But IU's offense did not look that great, um, especially the first half. And so. And I and the joke is that we it's so funny that, you know, because you asked the question, right? Like, how do you mm-hmm. have the statistics and you still lose? And yeah. I think the joke that I was telling you was that this is what happens when the win probability all-star team, like in the swings, one all-time, you know, win probability all-star team runs into another. So we have, like, I'm obsessed with these win probability charts on ESPN, Mm -hmm. particularly in the context of Indiana, because you'll have, I think like the whole 2018 season was like that, right? You had all these yes. charts where, like, you were losing, 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 and then you bring it back up to above 50% in Indiana's favor, only to have something crazy happen in the last moment and for the chart to swing violently to the other way. But the and, and you in texting me all those crazy things at the end of the game, um, from this picture I sent you, it's like a giant straight line from I use clearly winning the game to yes, <laughs> and it went to Penn State 99.9%. And then 
of course, you guys win. So I know this is kind of a morbid like picture, but it literally looks like someone's heart rate and then that person dying. Yeah, um, it swings to ninety nine point nine percent with you guys, and then it swings violently back. And yes. um, and I think you know we'll we'll talk more about this, but I think uh, and then I texted you the the picture that's sort of super controversial in Happy Valley, um, but on sort of instantly on every T shirt in Bloomington for sale in the store of uh, Michael Penix's Reach, um, but so many mistakes uh, that uh, Coach made. Uh, and we'll so we'll, we'll, so we'll Jeff, talk about I that I actually have a question for you. Yep. Did James Franklin single handedly cost Penn State the game? Well, okay. Uh, I mean, this is like the third thought in, in my you know, and I've been kind of thinking about it all week. But I had three comments in the game, so we can talk mm-hmm. about number three now, which is this sort of win probability chart frames. And I think you know you have these problems where the tailback Devin Ford who is running back three who actually is now RB one because journey Brown is hurt and Noah Kane is hurt. So he's now the lead back, which um, has negatively impacted sort of Penn state's chances. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't his fault because he, at that point in the game, he frantically uh, turned to the sideline um, being like, you know, what should I do? And I think it's inexcusable you know, for, I think, Coach Frames, and we call him Frames because he messes up his, he's so janky with late minute. He's like probably the worst um, late game coach by far, given what happened, the worst late game coach. Uh, in, in And I, I already, you know, had him as that, you know, last year. Um, but I saw a lady wearing a Penn State shirt and I was like, Coach Franklin, huh? He's really bad at late game decisions. And and she like turns to me and she like spends the the rest of the flight telling me, Yes, so bad. Can we be best friends? Um and uh so you know, he was that even last year, and this is just proof, but I think he made several mistakes. So one is he didn't empower the running back to to make the decision, right? So like there's no coaching, there's no either practicing this moment or coaching or or someone like Jim Harbaugh like every potential scenario is mapped out right like and so but then I heard something on talk radio this week that asked this which is why did he even have the ball at that time you know like like you know like why was why was that the play even Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know if, if you just needed four plays like why was that the play um and it's kind of funny because you have just re-watching that clip you have all these defenders that are like cheering for the touchdown which never happens, but like you have all these IU <laughs> players who are making the touchdown back because they want to yeah. get the ball back. And so the other problem is there's so many problems, right? The other problem is so he scores and Coach Frames kicks it to be up eight. Which and this is, should and, not, they should have gone for two. Right. And this is why I was telling you yeah. like up seven, up eight makes no difference. Up nine makes a big difference. So if they'd gone for two, the game would be over instantly. Mm-hmm. Instead, uh, and we'll talk about this. Coach Allen had the gutsy, instead of Coach Frames having the going for two and ending the game there, which also is kind of like a low stress scenario. Because if you fail, whatever, right? You fail, you're still up seven points. Like the win mm-hmm. probability is still infinity, right? Well, well, no, at that point, it's still, but you, IU still has to string together a drive at that point, right? Yeah. Um, but instead, we have, you know, 
we have Coach Allen taking the final game-ending two-point play uh, call, which is like amazing. But so, yeah, I think it is his fault, you know. But it's so ironic that I was telling you, um, the <laughs> I was telling you right before the Lions game that oh, you know what? I saw Todd Gurley. Um, yes. Literally, I don't know why that man's name came into my head. Like I literally don't watch the NFL, but I remember Todd Gurley doing that play. I must have heard it somewhere. And like just, you know, stopping before the end zone and mm-hmm. dancing a little bit. And my Lions won um, because Todd Gurley broke a tackle and had too much momentum. And you see yeah. him. He's like, you watch that play. Like he's trying to not score. And I know. And he twists. And then he's like over the line by like five inches. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, it's so funny that I was telling you that. But but I think it's 100% his fault. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would agree with you on that one now that we've kind of talked that out and flushed it, um, talk, flushed that out. Um, yeah, oh man. But some other things that, that I wanted to highlight. So um, I'll start with the offense. I mean, Penix, you know, he has that infamous like t-shirts and final play that came out. But early in the game, I was not happy with him. Um, he did struggle. He looked like someone who hadn't played football in a year. And I know coach Allen was even quoted as saying like, like, like we were all surprised to see Penix like that because he hasn't been like that in practice. Um, basically the game started on the IU side with two, three and outs. He was overthrowing. He was throwing too fast, which is why I texted you or tweeted you like slow down Penix. Um, but he did bring it in the fourth quarter. So I'm kind of hoping he's warmed up now and that, you know, he plays better. Um, against Rutgers. Um, you know, he ended up running in a touchdown. He had two two-point conversions. Um, he threw for a touchdown in overtime. But his final stats were 19 of 33 passing for 170 yards with a touchdown and an interception. So I think he can do better. Um, the bar set higher for him. So I, I'm optimistic about Penix. Um, Stevie Scott, he did have um, – he did score twice. But he – I was not – super impressed with him either he had 57 yards on 20 carries and had 11 yards receiving um it was rough like i looked at the chart it was like stevie scott two yards stevie scott one yard yeah stevie scott two yards it was rough all our running average 2.9 yards per carry and our offensive line allowed three sacks um we had a lot of drop passes you could argue that Penix might have thrown it too hard but there was a pass in the fourth quarter that was thrown to peyton hendershot that he should have caught it. Um, so just kind of mistakes like that. I'm not sure if it's because the team is rusty. And I don't know if it's the new offensive coordinator. Um, only time will tell, but I'm expecting more from the offense. I think everyone is. And so hopefully we'll see that play out this next game against Rutgers. How did your defense play? I mean, we were just talking about this. And I think um, before the game that, you know, you wanted to dig in. And I think your defense mm-hmm. was what carried the day. Oh, absolutely. Like I, I, some of those fourth down stops were like goal line stands were amazing. Yeah, I was actually really pleasantly surprised um, by the defense and thrilled for Kane Womack. One of my favorite uh, just memories from watching the game on Saturday was how excited he was. Um, the defense ended up having three takeaways and a huge fourth down stop. Um, a couple names I wanted to call out was Jamar Johnson had two of three takeaways. So he had two out of the three. He made 10 total tackles. And then Micah McFadden, he had 11 stops, which included one for a loss, and he was the lead tackler. So our defense looked good. And um, it's funny because Kane Womack showed up in, like, this baby blue 
he was wearing like baby blue IU gear, um, which I think is kind of a throwback to the past. So um, I don't know if it was good luck or whatnot, but I was really digging the baby blues. The only thing that freaked me out a little bit was he wasn't wearing a mask and he was cheering and yelling. So, so I mean, it is what it is, but um, big day for Kane Womack and his defense. Okay. And uh, any notable special teams moments? Um, the only thing I wanted to say, so Charles Campbell, I, I don't want to make the same mistake as, as last year. So I actually will not say too much about special teams, but, um, he I was hit- hearing, you know, just, I don't ever want to think about special teams, right? It's one of those things where yeah. I'm like, get in, get out, do their job. Don't ever want to think about you guys. Yeah. But he made both of his field goals and he had, he made both of his extra points. Um, I think I did tweet that Charles Campbell was my new favorite player and I was joking, but, but that is all I will say. Um, we had a really interesting, like failed squib kick, which I still don't know why they did that. Um, so I was a little confused by that, but otherwise I think special teams was fine. Okay. I think the lasting moment, like where I ended up sort of watching the second half of the game is, I think there was this really revealing moment, um, last season where I think it might be two seasons ago, so not eight Indiana, the 2018 season where you guys were all-time win probability champs, right? Yes. And Coach Allen described his mindset entering into the 2019 season. He said, we are, and he didn't exactly say we're one play away, but he said, you know, we need to be in those scenarios, and I'm sort of quoting him from memory, but we need to be in those scenarios where it's a, you know, it's a third down. We need to get the play or it's, you know, we need a goal line stand or we need to stop. And we just need to make those plays. Um, and we're close and we're going to be in a position to do that. And, um, and, and I think he had sort of, for me, that was a really interesting insight to the man because he had kind of captured like um, the degree of execution that a football team requires. It's not just, Oh, like Kobe football, is much more of a team sport. Kobe executing in the fourth quarter is just up to him, you know, as an individual to shoot the ball and it's up to his own guts. Right. But in order for a football team to have those sort of moments in the clutch, it's a lot of orchestration. It's a lot of execution. It's a lot of being cool being, and I, I guess I never really thought of it that way uh, until hearing coach Allen say that. And I think Mm -hmm. the most striking thing for me is he set that test out for himself. And not only did he meet that test with, you know, Penix's amazing drive to score eight in like a minute and some, um, you know, with a two point conversion to tie the game, like, and the defense keeping sort of Penn state on the wrong side of the field for the remaining time that they had. How many times have we seen IU get that close and lose? Like I've seen them, and I've only watched Indiana for like the past year or two. I've seen that happen yeah. like a dozen times, right? Uh, which, you know, poor damn Indiana. But like he set himself that standard. He met it by taking it to overtime. And then he surpassed that by taking on this super risky, you know, two-point conversion to end the game. He was like, we're here. We're ready. We go. And we go. And I was super impressed. Like that's why like that ESPN columnist calling him competent um mm-hmm. i think it was maybe Connolly, maybe writing uh not statistics uh his writing side calling him just you know very very competent and i think that's true like he just he set that standard and he met it and it's just been so cool to 
watch that happen in front of our eyes. Jeff, question for you. So would Tom Allen have made those same gutsy calls if our prince had still been OC? I don't know if Deborah calls that two-point mm-hmm. play. I, I was thinking know. the same thing. And and I think like, you know, it's also, you know, part of what was so cool about it. So here's the sort of decision tree scenario, right? So Penn State scores in overtime. So they're up by seven. And then your guys score. So now it's a one-point differential. Yeah. Do you kick and tie and play another period? Or do you go for two? If you fail the two, you lose. Mm -hmm. And I think part of making that decision is you – I think a lot of factors come into it. But I think um, maybe he thought that Penn State's offense was getting warmer. And so uh, he didn't want them to catch on fire. Or maybe he thought that his team was gassed and tired. But I think in addition to like making that call, in addition to a guess about how the next frame is going to go, right? We're talking about the next overtime here and then how that's going to go. That's a guess, right? Jeff, I you, think you bring up a really – sorry. I think ahead. you bring up a really good point because if Penn State had the ball next because we tied the game – Penn State had already had the ball for over 40 minutes. So our defense was super tired and you could Mm -hmm. kind of tell by the end. And so maybe that's something that Coach Allen noticed. For sure. For sure. So in addition to it being a guess, though, it's also a vote of confidence in your guys because you got to execute, right? Like if you you don't trust your two-point play, then you lose. There's no, you know. um, So it is a a kind of a hard decision, right? Because it's a guess about how the next um, overtime is going to go. But then how, you know, um, how, how this is. And I think, you know, I think he, he, the, the degree of confidence he showed in your two point play was amazing. What do you uh, think but, Harbaugh would have done in that situation? Well, um, well, I don't know. I think Harbaugh has a tendency to clench up a little bit. Okay. Um, but, I think the reality of it is that he's going to, I think a lot of what Harbaugh has done during his Michigan tenure. So clenching up, not necessarily in this moment, but in general, in big games, um, he has that rap. And I've seen it happen a little bit, but I think the, my gut feeling tells me that he's going to count on his defense to bail him out. Okay. Like that's just what he does. And he has Don Brown, right? And he has mm-hmm. all these five-star guys. And our offense, it's funny because we're about to talk about the Michigan game. But I think for the first time, maybe our offense might be the more comfortable uh, side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has never happened at Michigan. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I think my gut has would be he'd ask his defense to get a stop. Um, and so in that case, you don't, you don't go for two, right? You let your defense see the field, which is the opposite of what you said about your yeah. defense being gassed. But I think yeah. that's what would happen. Because honestly, like, that's a great part of – that's a great part of the team. It's been a very reliable part of the team. Um, so, but yes, but tell me from the most non-biased way, what you think the last play, what you think in the, in the least Homer, least Bloomington, you know, infused, what was your sort of, if you look at the Zapperter video of that, what would you think about the last play? Yeah. I mean, First of all, I think the fact that 
Penix even like leapt the way he did and reached out like that is pretty incredible either way you see it. I mean, I think those Space Jam memes are very on point. In terms of what actually happened, so what I feel like happened is that the ball might have touched the ground um, before his body did. And and it may – I this is very unbiased – I don't know the rules. The thing is, I don't know the exact rules. So I don't know if like if the ball touches the ground and it's short, but your body doesn't like like kind of what happens there. Um, that's the part that's tripping me up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Like, I um, I think the ball definitely hit hit the ground before the pylon. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? I I uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So it hit the ground before the pylon. So then the question is, does the ball cross the plane? Yeah. Right? Um, before it hits the pylon. And then and then you have to, you know, was he down, was he not down? Right? Um, mm-hmm. that's but the reality of it is that that day the Big Ten called everything in and then there wasn't enough video evidence to overturn it. So But what and, you had an interesting observation about that though. Yeah, so they didn't overturn it. But they also didn't say confirmed. Like when they found find yeah. video evidence, they just said, you know, not enough to overturn, but not enough to conform. You don't essentially it's the Big Ten saying, We don't know. So yeah. it's good. Um yeah. but yeah. I think, you know, um, we'll take what we can get, right? <laughs> and I'm really surprised to be honest that not not that I'm scheming here or think anyone's scheming, but you would almost think with the benefit of the doubt they would have almost given it to Penn State just because Penn State was a top 10 team. We want, you know, Big Ten representation in the playoffs. And I hate thinking like that, but I was actually happy that the refs, like, had said, hey, like, this was the ruling. Like, we can't overturn it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I didn't really want to think too much conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. um, this year, but that was the result you wanted. Yes, yes. Any closing thoughts in the game? Or uh, you want to turn um, to Michigan? I know we'll talk more about what's coming next in kind of our previews. Um, you know, switching over to the Michigan side, I will say after this IU game, I was spent. I was done. I didn't want to look at a football for for at least a day. I, I was just, I, I just couldn't. Um, it was just emotionally so drained. So, you know, I did not, I was a bad co-host and I did not watch one minute of the Minnesota Michigan game. So Jeff, I will fully rely on you to tell everyone what happened. So initially, if this was like a Monday recap, we would have gone through, you know, just play by play, my reactions, the swing mm-hmm. in the game. But now that I've ha- done that process, I actually rewatched the game too, done that process, you know, in my head um, so many times and we're already at the 40 minute mark. Um, I will sort of give you, uh, I guess, the general sentiment on the fan base, uh, from the fan base on the program. So, like, how we feel. Okay. Um, so, I think the feeling going into this game, given that Michigan typically underperforms on, like, road games against ranked teams, everyone had, like, Minnesota in the bag for Minnesota. But one fact for me uh, that really decided things was... Um, and the Vegas Sharps always know, right? So the line was, you know, in Minnesota's favor. And then because no one really had seen Joe Milton play. And mm-hmm. then uh, the line swung and then it was Michigan by five or something like that. 
And it's because Vegas found out, um, like the rest of us found out a little bit later, that Minnesota had a lot of, you know, players are out. So they had every single person that kicks the ball, punting, kickers, holder, snapper, that entire unit was knocked out of of the of the game. And so it was horrible. Like they had 10-yard punts. Like how do you punt the ball 10 yards? And uh, the answer is that, you know, you're really setting up 15 yards behind the spot, right? So if it's a 14-yard punt, you've kicked it like 39 yards, right? Like of actual like flight distance. Mm-hmm. But they had like so they couldn't punt the ball. And so they went for it like on fourth down. They did a lot of weird things, right? And we capitalized. Like we capitalized on the special teams. So I'll give you sort of the three sides of the ball. So special teams, uh, Minnesota was knocked out. So they did a lot of weird things. Um, couldn't kick it. Had to, you know, our special teams um, were amazing. So we snuffed out their um, their fake. Uh, our running back, Hassan Haskins, snuffed out the fake. Um, we couldn't kick the ball at all. So Quinn Nordine was out. He was probably hurt. Uh, Jake Moody missed three kicks, which would have been nine points in any other game, but our offense was rolling. Um, so, so, so that doesn't matter, but that's like sort of a, an issue to watch. Going okay. Forward. So is it safe to assume that if Nordine's healthy, he'll be the one that'll kick? I think that's not the case because, uh, Moody actually outkicked Nordine in the, they have a competition. And okay. so last year they tied in the competition. So these are the whole like, Switching. And Jim Harbaugh's like really, yeah, like one on, one off. And mm-hmm. then this year, Moody won. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what Harbaugh does um, after three misses, right? Like uh, what they often say is like, you know, you have to be the practice facility player, but you also have to be like a game day player on Main Street. So yeah. um, we'll see. On defense, uh, our Michael Barrett, the Viper, was amazing. So he, you know, took a punt return 70 yards. He like totally, you know, he was amazing. The Viper. Um, our corners are going to be an issue. So um, meaning if other teams want to pass uh, literally to the corner of the field and Don Brown likes to put them on an island one-on-one mess, mashed up, match, mashed up against the number one wide receiver, that, that might be an issue. Uh, our linebackers are great. So lots of sacks with the quarterback, like run plays are snuffed out. So defense wise, really, it is like a Don Brown defense. Um, there might be some issues, um, with the line stopping like a burly run up the middle. I don't know. That's to be seen, but the corners, that's going to be tough. Um, and then I think the big takeaway from the game was how good our offense looks. So for for once, for the first time, when the offense came out, it wasn't like a, what are we going to get? You know, like we had a horrible start to the game. So um, we had a blocked punt lead to a touchdown, which is like the worst sort of start to a game possible. And then Jack Charbonnet runs it up 70 yards and ties the game. And then we never look back from that. Okay. Like we scored 49 points and we could have scored many more. Um and so Joe Milton just looks calm and collected. And I think the summary of the offense is that like nine different receivers caught the ball and eight different running backs, eight different people ran with the ball. 
So no one player needed to do anything. Like we have a lot of speedy, fast, small guys that are running around, running backs, wide receivers. Uh, we definitely saw Gaddis called like an amazing game. I think the best type of games, and this is totally stolen. I forget from who I heard this from, but the best types of games knowing rock, paper, scissors is the type of game calling on offense that tells a story. So you call something that blossoms into another thing that you can call into another mm-hmm. thing. You set up okay. a tendency and then you break it. It's like all part of a wonderful orchestra and story. And Gaddis was calling plays like that. He was totally on. So he would call a play and then it would set something up that's totally unexpected. And then Minnesota's defense would be caught flat footed. And then we'd have another chunk play. Uh, so he was totally on and Joe Milton was able um, to execute Josh Gaddis's masterfully called game plan. And so he was very calm and collected. Uh, we didn't really get to see. So what we did get to see is we got to see him. One of the biggest concerns that I had mentioned on the first um, podcast was for the season was, can he throw sort of short range passes with some touch? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was amazing. He had practiced all season and he was amazing. Like it was touch passes, just beautiful, like the, the beautiful passes because he's so tall. So what I saw him do and, and the cameraman was on, he was on. So from <laughs> Joe Milton's perspective, he was able to pass to thread passes between the levels. So he passed through a linebacker towards a streaking tight end uh, when the safeties were collapsing and he was able to hit someone running past the linebacker right before the safety hit him. And he was able to just thread the needle because he's so tall and has such good vision. And he also was a great runner too. He ran like 50 yards. And so the one thing that we didn't see him do, because there was no need for it, like we didn't see him throw deep because we, we were up by a lot. Didn't, didn't mm, need to. Yeah. And then we also didn't uh, see Charbonnet do much after his first, his first run went 70 yards. He's fully healthy now. They shouldn't have run him 40 times in the army game. That was so stupid and hurt yeah. him. But he scored 70 yards. He's faster. He's healthy. And then we didn't need him. We had like four or five guys. So I would say the same liability for offense, possibly, um, as the defense is we don't have a star go-to wide receiver uh, for him to toss it up to. It's like sort of a receiver by committee. Yeah. And so I guess, ironically, now that I sum up sort of our strengths and weaknesses, um, ironically, um, our strength sorry, our weakness on the offense and our weakness on the defense is like mirror images. So we don't have a go-to <laughs> wide receiver and we don't have like an all-star corner like we had in 2016, 2017 that could set up a no-fly zone. Um, so it'll be interesting to see sort of what our deep pass game looks like on third and long because um, every play went 10 yards. Like I think we, our runs, our run yardage per carry was like nine yards. Um like every time a running back touched mm-hmm. the ball, we gained nine yards. So we don't really need I mean, to if that's the case, you won't be seeing too many third and longs. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah. So that the game, you know, that was the game. I'd say them not having any special teams really hurt them. Mm-hmm. And then our, oh, the last thing I will say is that our offensive line was amazing with blocking. And so that's why Gaddis was able to orchestrate his play. Like it was a big question mark with our offensive line, all these new guys not knowing. But our offensive line looks amazing. So offensive line coach Ed Warner, 
kudos. He's probably the MVP of the coaches. He took like, we lost sort of like three or four NFL guys, first round draft picks for some new guys. And our offensive line looks amazing. Like Joe Milton had all day, like all day. That's Um, awesome. So do you think this is the best offense you've seen with Harbaugh? Well, it might be uh, too soon to say. Obviously, the best Mm -hmm. offense is Andrew Luck, right? Um, Yeah, that's true. But for um, Michigan. Yeah, but for Michigan, we'll see. But maybe he has this guy. Like, I'm very cautiously optimistic. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, um, but that's the game. Like, I was going to, you know, read some funny tweets about our experience. But most of it is distilled down into, you know, in terms of revised expectations. We didn't know what we would get. And now we do. Yeah. You know, we get like a pretty calm and collected, cool as a cucumber quarterback who can throw the short passes, which I was worried about. Haven't really seen him throw deep passes to receivers. Not sure if that's enough on both sides, like our receivers and defending receivers. Uh, not sure if that'll be enough to beat the Giants in the Big Ten. Um, but we'll see. Um, How so much that's of mission. this do you think had to do with Harbaugh's pants? I saw so many tweets going around about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's wearing these uh, dark blue Lululemons, and I think like <laughs> it's like cold, right? It was cold. It was like twenty yeah. degrees, and so um, I don't know. I mean, that's so funny. Like, yeah, I had this whole like treasure trove of funny tweets that I sent you after the game, but mm-hmm. um, we will that will we will save that for Twitter. Um, so with the remaining time. Um, Let's see. Let's save our personality for next time. Okay. Uh, just a quick congratulation yeah. to uh, Coach Fitz for winning 100 games. Uh, we are going to do a tribute for him, uh, but but I do want to get to the Minnesota game. So we will save that tribute. Congratulations, Coach Fitz, one of our favorite coaches. Yes, uh, go Coach Fitz. Terrible basketball com- commentator, the worst that I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, other than, I guess, well, um, I think uh, I love Chuck, but Chuck knows nothing about college basketball even though though he's an all-star player at Auburn or like legendary but uh so what we'll do is we'll do uh several things around the Big Ten we'll do a recap of the uh the games that our rivals played and then a preview and rival watch so around the Big Ten um I will not steal your three so I will do others um so why don't you start with your three and then I'll add three Okay. Um, well, actually, one week ago, Jeff, when we were watching what we had in the background, Wisconsin versus Illinois, I was making the joke, and I saw some jokes too, like Graham Mertz, who is QB2, is he a Heisman candidate? Because, I mean, he looked amazing. Um, he tied two school records with 17 consecutive completions and five passing touchdowns. He was a perfect 14 of 14 with four touchdowns in the first half alone. And the only negative thing right now with Graham – He's tested positive for COVID. And currently with the Big Ten, um, their rule is that if you test positive, you need to sit out for 21 days. So that's three weeks, three games, um, which is a lot more than, you know, for instance, Trevor Lawrence, who has 10 days. So people were saying like, oh, like is, is the Big Ten going to lower their number now? Because that's kind of crazy. Like Wisconsin season is now really up in the air. Um, so that's kind of, you know, a big thing that that happened in the, in the Big Ten. And I will say too, because of this, um, you know, a bunch of other Wisconsin players have tested positive. Um, and so with the Wisconsin-Nebraska game has now been canceled. And did you hear, Jeff, that Scott Frost was trying to get them to play Chattanooga 
Um, yeah, that was going to be one of my things. So I'll have to think about. Oh, it sorry, and they, no, that's, and they that's shot cool. it down. They shot it down, and I feel I, I actually like I can't stand Scott Frost, but I feel kind of bad for the guy because he he like has been trying so hard to get his team so to play. My one thing can be this. I guess I'll okay. I'll, I'll do my one thing. It'll be a a mix yeah, between the two. Yeah, go so, for it. The funniest thing, and I saw this on Feinbaum, so I hate Paul Feinbaum, as you know, but mm-hmm. Feinbaum said, he was like, oh, Nebraska's logic in their submission um, to the Big Ten was, this could be a very valuable CFP data point. And Feinbaum was like, <laughs> <laughs> right, that was the reaction that Feinbaum had. Feinbaum was like, CFP data point? Like, Nebraska has about as much chance... Of, of like getting to the CFP as me being voted the sexiest man in America. <laughs> and then Basically, co- every other team has to like forfeit or like they can't play. Yeah, exactly. And so like CFP data point, what? Um, and so that can be, uh, well, it'll be half my thing. The other half my thing is, um, of my thing is Graham Mertz actually and Chase Wolf both got QB3 got covid and Mm. so one of the things is that they're trying to determine and with all new protocols um every sort of everyone says a little bit different and of course paul christ the coach also has it too um so that's why they canceled the game like they weren't they hadn't hit the sort of percentage threshold that the big 10 requires for a mandatory cancellation but they had enough that they were like okay we're gonna cancel um and so, um, anyway, so the uh, Chase Wolf QB3 also sick. And so one of the things that they're trying to figure out is, is the 21 days from Saturday or from Friday? Because if it, or from Sunday, mm-hmm. because if it's from Friday then, or Saturday, then theoretically, Graham Mertz, if he's like fine and asymptomatic and tests negative and recovers, because the whole point is there's 14 days and then there's seven days for them to figure out whether or not there's like heart issues. Yeah. Um, and now there's like, I don't know, all the news is so messed up. Like, is there heart issues? Is there not heart issues? We don't know. Because um, I just saw the study which says the myo, uh, myocardiac stuff is not real, but I really don't know. Uh, I, I saw the same thing too, that it's more yeah. from like birth or whatnot. Yeah. But so that's the, um, that's the seven days um, extra. But so they're trying to determine whether or not, because 21 days is Michigan. Uh, and so can Wisconsin play? Mm, can Graham okay. Mertz play uh, versus Michigan? And we don't know. But so, That's interesting. Yeah. But so the, the other part of my thing is the um, uh, all-time, I guess, first team all-Big Ten name team, uh, the QB4, is this gentleman called Danny... Vandenboom. Okay. And anytime you have to look up QB4 um, and how he's doing, uh, <laughs> like, like grainy game tape from high school, like he wasn't recruited <laughs> to play quarterback, it's bad. So Danny Vandenboom. Um, so maybe that's why they canceled because they were like, you know, what's the point? We'd rather, yeah, yeah. We'd rather take, although, you know, they probably would have beaten Nebraska anyway. So who knows why they canceled? But we, people were joking that. Michigan State would cancel so that they don't have to play Michigan. But we'll get to that. <laughs> so that's my, I guess, the other half of this one thing. So we'll let it count as my one thing. Um, your second? 
I like it. Um, okay, so last week we were talking about like the difference between the tagovailoa. I, I need to be able to say that at some point. And a tagovailoa, and V is having like a, a breakout time. He's going to start for the Dolphins. Well, um, that is actually a big controversy um, because, and it, it's very interesting. So again, it kind of spills over. I don't follow the NFL, but uh, mm-hmm. people talk about it. But so here's the issue. So Miami actually has playoff hopes and Ryan Fitzpatrick is actually playing pretty well. I've heard that. Like he didn't necessarily lose it. Correct. But he's old, right? Like two is your quarterback of the future. So what they were going to do is they were going to have enough wins in the tank. And then they decided to start him during after the bye week. But the bye week has been moved up because it's this weird year by three weeks. Mm-hmm. And so now they have a bye week to get them ready, but they don't have three more theoretically wins games on the schedule. And so if Tua comes out and they start losing games and they can't put Fitzpatrick back in because according to NFL insiders, like that's like giving up. Right. Yeah. And it like totally wrecks the morale. And so like, if you put Tua out, that's it. It's like a one way ratchet. You can't reverse that decision. Mm, Um, Which is kind of interesting. Like we've been talking a little bit about the different decision-making. Right. Um, So I guess that's my thing number two, but you hadn't got, gone into your thing number one yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess a tag of Iloa, um, just, just the opposite that he, he struggled, Um, you know, Maryland's game he had three interceptions so so that was just a short and sweet point number two that this this brother is is struggling okay and then my third one um and we'll talk more about Rutgers in a second but they finally snapped a 21 game Big Ten losing streak on Saturday oh yes and that that makes me like so happy (laughs) beating (laughs) Michigan State um but the funny thing here is um I was texting you before the game all this sadness about Brady Hoke losing. Yes. Um, that's why I brought it up earlier um, on this podcast um, because that's uh, your upcoming game, right? You guys are playing Rutgers yep. this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so my number three thing is, uh, and, and you're going to, Oh, uh, Oh, okay. Well, we were going to talk about uh, coach Fitz, So maybe we'll talk about that, but um, uh, I'll stealing your game notes a little bit. Um, but Northwestern beat Maryland 43 to three, uh, most scoring by the Wildcats against the big 10 opponent since November, 2016. Thanks for that statistic. But mm-hmm. my one thing was our guy, Peyton Ramsey, like I people know we're actually saying, um, people were actually saying maybe Northwestern wins the big 10 West, uh, cause he's also competent. You know, like great, mm-hmm. great quarterback. He has a noodle arm, as we've talked about many times. But even <laughs> with a noodle arm, he's like a great quarterback. And it's funny. So uh, I saw on uh, Opponent Watch, one of my favorite MGO blog columns, um, we kind of make fun of Northwestern's longtime, and Coach Fitz is very loyal, but his longtime offensive coordinator, Mick McCall, one of the worst. Like he's his offense sucks. Like, you know, and so um, they were, they were, uh, the joke that uh, Bisbee told on Rival Watch, uh, no, on Opponent Watch, which inspired the Rival Watch uh, segment of this podcast. Um, on Opponent Watch, he said, is it because Payne Ramsey is in Chicago and Evanston? Or is it because Mick McCall is wherever the hell else? 
(laughs) (laughs) And um, I think that's a legitimate point. Um, Probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. So Northwestern uh, catching catching some heat. Um, Mm -hmm. That's my number three thing. Awesome. So will you give us the two? uh, So I... um, there's a rule that, you know, we don't talk about Ohio State. We don't talk about Ohio <laughs> State. Um, but since you do all this work um, and, and we want to make fun of Nebraska, um, well, actually, you know, why don't you tell us about that game um, and then tell us about Purdue. And because um, the – well, the Ohio State will be – this is actually a good uh, mirror show. The Ohio State will be helpful information to me. Purdue is sort of like, you know, your rival. And then mm-hmm. I'll talk about MSU uh, and Rutgers, helpful information for you. Yes. Yeah, uh, so for let's sure. Do it that way. All right. So Nebraska, OSU. And I remember, I think I like texted you, Jeff, before that game started because I saw Jenny Taft from Fox um, interview Scott Frost. And I was just like, he's about to get annihilated. And he like, <laughs> they kept it close for like five seconds, right? Yeah. Um, they scored first. They scored on the first drive. Um, but Ohio State is just such a second half team. That I mean, Ohio State can be trailing at halftime, and I, I'm okay. Sorry, I'm like I was gonna say I'm not worried about them at all. But <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because like uh, I was like, um, hey, uh, when when we were sort of plotting the show notes, and I think like 90 minutes is actually a great length for us. So let's mm-hmm. go to 90 minutes for us. I think 90 minutes works great for our episodes, like an hour and some. Let's call it an hour and some because I think from all the times that we've recorded, you've gotten we've gone past an hour but not more than sort of 90 minutes. So let's stick to the 60 to 90 minute range. Are you good with that? Yes, I am good. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, so I was saying, hey, Kathy, like out of respect for you, like I don't watch this game. I don't want anything to do with that, <laughs> uh, which I think like a lot of the Michigan fan base has started. But I was like, mm-hmm. out of respect for your time and your sort of energy, don't spend too much time on the game recap because I'm just going to be like, let's not read it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I did say that to you, um, but but let's hear about it. I mean, I actually took your advice. So so basically, <laughs> Ohio State, they were a top five team for, for like the past two months, even though they hadn't played at all. Um, and so um, they actually knocked Notre Dame down a spot, um, which my, my good coworker friend Mauricio was not happy about. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it was clear that, you know, the number three spot was reserved for Ohio State. Like once mm-hmm, they start playing, mm-hmm. like no doubt, yeah. like no doubt. Yeah. So, you know, Nebraska had a couple good long drives, but I mean, Ohio State ended up like winning 52 to 17. And so um, I had, I forget what other pod, it might have been the solid verbal, but people, oh, actually it was another podcast that I was listening to, but people were saying like, you know, Ohio State has a really high standard and benchmark, but if you grade them on that high standard, they were probably a seven out of 10. Um, but for any other team, they looked really good. Yeah. So t- take with that what you will, but yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Is that enough? I think that might be enough. That is, that is enough. <laughs> that is enough. I will say, you know, Nebraska they they're playing both quarterbacks, so they've got Luke McCaffrey, Adrian Martinez. Um, the passing game was actually an area of concern. Um, both guys can run. Um, they did show some promise because you know they had a 210 yards running, so that's 5.8 yards per carry, um, and they had two touchdowns. So. Um, they showed promise. We'll see what happens. I mean, they they get a bye week this week, you know, due to everything happening. Yeah, I just think it's funny that they think it's a CFP decision point. Like, that's hilarious. I will give Scott Frost credit, though. They apparently thought out 
all the testing protocols. They like apparently really thought out the logistics against how this game against Chattanooga would go. So honestly, I feel kind of bad for him because he's I, just trying to get his boys some reps, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. So I'm going to talk about Purdue really quick. So the interesting part about this game is that their, their head coach, Jeff Rom, and then their star wide receiver, Rondale Moore, Moore, who we talked about is like amazing last week. Um, they did not have either of them. And so was it COVID um, related? Are they so like not releasing that? Jeff know? Brown for sure was COVID. Okay. Um, I'm not sure about Rondale Moore, okay. but um, they actually won. Um, they won with a comeback win 24 to 20 over Iowa. Um, so Adrian O'Connell, who we saw a lot of last year, um, he had two second half interceptions, but he overcame that to throw for 282 yards and three touchdowns. Um, the game winning pass was to David Bell with 215 remaining. So David Bell, it kind of sounds like I'm repeating myself from last year, but he had to step up in Moore's absence. He, had he was the, he, he, he was like, I don't know. He was like Antonio Brown. Like he was uh, against Ohio state, like that game where they beat them 55, 27. Mm-hmm, David Bell mm-hmm. was like, he was like an NFL player. That was the yeah, only time that's I true. That's true. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know. This worries me a little bit that, you know, with, I don't know. I actually haven't looked too much into Iowa for this year, but the fact that you're missing your head coach and your star wide receiver and you still win um, worries me a little bit. So I, I, I'm worried that Purdue is good this year. And I, I will have to say actually one thing, Jeff, on a basketball note, too because this news literally broke about an hour and a half ago but um trey kaufman is a um power forward from indiana that iu has been heavily recruiting for a long time and um and so this is a basketball note but he had narrowed his list down to five schools and so they were virginia north carolina indiana purdue and indiana state and like people knew he likely wouldn't go to indiana state honestly i had no idea that he would even like really think about Purdue. I, I thought like our biggest competition would be Virginia and North Carolina because he had apparently been doing visits there. Um, and it's like, maybe he wants to leave Indiana for a little bit. Well, he announced today that he's going to Purdue. Um, I have some so news Ma- on this front too, but I'll okay. let you finish your story. Okay. So I'm just saying that's a win for Matt Painter. I'm, I'm surprised. I was actually not expecting that at all. Um, so I guess that's just another Purdue whammy um, on that front. I, we got some. We got some oh, recruit yeah, news star. too. Yeah, yeah. Caleb Houston from Canada, um, five-star basketball recruit. Uh, he picked Michigan over Duke, Virginia, and Alabama. Highest because we lost two five stars um, in the same day for the 2020 class. Mm-hmm. And Javon Juwan Howard went back right up there and continued recruiting, and um, we beat out Duke. Virginia and Alabama too, but we beat out Duke and Virginia and uh, Michigan now has the number one recruiting class in the country for 2021. So that is awesome. I will hand that to Juwan. Um, and our, one more basketball thing is that um, it's Archie Miller's birthday. So happy birthday, Archie. Uh, I'm going to start texting you that dismayed face. Um, Archie. <laughs> Archie uh, oh, that was so me. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Love it. So, uh, yeah. So, um, congrats to Juwan. We'll talk about that when the season starts. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So, Michigan State Rutgers. So, <laughs> you know, I guess we don't have to belabor the point about sort of how um, 
how bad you have to be to lose to Rutgers. But, I was going to ask you, is Rutgers good? And that's perfectly, you read my mind. And I think the way mm-hmm. that I promised to be sort of helpful as sort of your scouting preview for mm-hmm. Rutgers. And so I will say several things that might sort of, without having watched that game, but only like sort of listened and read about it. So number one, they have the most successful records coach in history is Greg Giano, mm-hmm. who went to the NFL, uh, Patriots, I think, uh, Bill Belichick, like coaching tree buddies, same philosophy. And uh, Greg Schiano, um retook the Rutgers job this offseason after like holding out for sort of more demands and everyone was making fun of him like oh you want more demands like but i think part of it was that he wanted more money for his assistance which always Mm -hmm. is a good thing Mm -hmm. uh my opinion is because you know it's such a business get your people the money they deserve um but so greg shiano is going to teach them like good fundamentals like nfl strategies like how to i think i was listening to a couple nfl players talk about this team today and uh, on the sort of long Friday sort of preview, since it's rivalry week in week two, which is so weird, and we're playing Michigan State, but a lot of players are saying that Hull teach people like first person to tackle tackles the person, second person to tackle goes through the ball to try to get the fumble because the first person can hold the tackle. And that's something apparently that they coach in the NFL, but it's less coached in college. Like, unless okay. you have a really good coach, which I was like, oh, good. But the idea is that, you know, Greg Schiano will teach these things. So Rutgers showed that. And the reason why that particular example is relevant is because Michigan State had seven fumbles. Mm-hmm. And so there's a statistic where if you lose more than three possessions, your chances of losing the game are like 93%. Oh, like okay. if the turnover margin is like plus three or more, which mm-hmm. makes sense, right? You give up three free possessions. And so it's hard um, to really see, say how good Rutgers is, but I think, you know, part of the scoreline is the seven interceptions, right? Or mm-hmm. fumbles. And part of it is Greg Giano being back. Um, so you'll have to sort of watch out for see, you know, whether Rutgers, but I think I use like the real deal. Um, so I don't think you guys have that much to worry about, but I think it might be interesting um, just like, uh, and this is the last thing I'll say about the game, just like how we were like analyzing the fundamentals of how good the um, IU secondary was uh, in terms of, uh, oh, actually, that's so funny. You actually have all these notes <laughs> in your preview of next week's game. You have all these mm-hmm. notes. So you you should have said this. I didn't even see this. Um, that's so funny. Um, your notes literally say, is Rutgers good? Seven takeaways yeah. <laughs> against MSU. Welcome back, Greg Schiano. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> those are my – I didn't read this before the – I didn't read this. I, those amazing. are my notes, too. That's so funny. Um, so I, it just goes to show how diligent and how, like, on point your notes are. <laughs> um, so, um, so you said several points. Uh, you said he's – left Piscataway for eight seasons. I didn't know this. Uh, he coached from 01 to 11. Okay. And he's a defensive coach. Okay. That makes sense. So that's why the, the defensive pedigree, what I described from, mm-hmm. from what I was thinking mm-hmm. about. So, yeah. So what I was saying is that, you know, the way that we broke down, I use secondary versus Michigan might be interesting for you to watch like whether Rutgers has that fundamental coaching. 
because they're going to be like less talented probably because yeah. uh, Tom Allen's been recruiting the three stars and four stars. Um, but and I'll, I'll I'll get to the Knicks game as well, and then I guess we'll end with uh, Purdue Illinois. Well, so the only thing I will say about the preview for Indiana to add is that I don't know specifics or I don't remember specifics, but Indiana has a tendency um, to win like 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 way back in the past when they won a huge game, they mess up the next game. But it's um, Rutgers to, so. to an easy team. Well, to an easy team. So so they they just need to be alert. I mean, I've read a bunch of articles this week about the players knowing that they still have to bring their all. So um, I'm sure Tom Allen won't won't let you know, won't let things get out of hand and, and he'll make sure the boys are ready, but um, they better bring it, even though yeah. it's Rutgers. Yeah, so Michigan preview, it's rival week. Um, and, uh, you know, I think much of the discourse uh, on the game has been, much of the discourse has been, you know, Michigan beat Michigan State 44 to 10 last year mm-hmm. and we're better or as good as we were last year and Michigan state is a lot worse. Um, and so they'll have a strong defensive front. That's always a strength. So Gaddis will probably like run around the edges. Um, and then probably not ask Milton to do too much. Um, but you know, running it up the gut is probably not, that's like one of the rare strengths that Michigan state has. Um, I've been listening to Michigan radio all day and uh, there's, you know, in the state of Michigan, this is the rivalry game because you have like neighbors, people from Michigan, families, households that are divided. So this is the one that they really care about. Um, Ohio state's more like on a national scene, you know, we've been a laughing stock for like 20 years. Um, but for many people who live and work in Michigan, this is, this is the game. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think, you know, a lot of, the, the most interesting thing, uh, given that the line is like 20 plus points, and I think um, the most interesting thing to hear listening to Michigan radio all day today is the players that played in it. Like a lot of them went to the same high schools. A lot of them, you know, the people went to Michigan State weren't recruited by Michigan. They had a chip on their shoulder because of that. Mm, okay. um, so that game is always kind of a little ugly. Uh, Michigan State kind of circles it on their calendar this year especially since they don't have as much to play for. So the, yeah. the players that played in it said it might be closer than we might imagine. Um, so we'll see. I think like in terms of X's and O's, like we beat them for sure. Um, yeah. So it's much more about that rivalry. Um, even Dan and Ty were like, Dan and Ty were like, what do you say about this game? Cause they picked uh, the noon window as the window of opportunity. Okay. And so they were like, Michigan, Michigan State, maybe you can look at Michigan. And then I think uh, Ty was like, Dan, what do we say about rivalry games? And then you know how they like say, like, we throw out the records. And then oh, yeah, like throw a, out the records. Yeah. And then there's like a plate crashing sound, right? Mm-hmm. But Dan was like, we throw out the records and didn't play the plate crashing sound. <laughs> um, <laughs> because they don't think that this game can be thrown out the records, I guess. Yeah. Um, so so that's, I don't know. It would be interesting. Oh, the, the thought is, you know, all the players who played and hearing their experiences talking about sort of historical legendary games has been pretty interesting. Well, I'm just laughing because last week 
I said, oh, if someone, if Michigan wins, when I was doing the preview for Michigan season, um, someone should wear a Paul Bunyan costume. And you said, I think you should wear a Paul Bunyan costume. And I <laughs> said, okay. <laughs> no, but then you like, this is like why like you're a Midwestern man. But like, <laughs> like it's so funny. But I guess this one's weird because like Midwestern man, you might actually know this, but you're like, well, where would I get a Paul Bunyan costume? And I was like, mm-hmm. it's Halloween. It's like people who get like a nurse costume. You can get a lumberjack costume for a lady. Yeah. And, but, <laughs> um, but we were, we were saying that you would dress up as Paul Bunyan and go to yep. the game if we yep. could still go to games and if you'd be the most popular lady in the stands. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's true. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. Um, we'll see. I think Harbaugh, I, I guess my hope for the game is we see a lot of um, uh, Kate McNamara or uh QB2. Yeah. Uh, was QB3 but Dylan McCaffrey transferred so which I think increasingly now like initially people were like oh did Dylan McCaffrey transfer um and then we're like talking up Joe but I think because we have to and I think it's pretty clear now that uh Joe beat up Dylan and Dylan couldn't beat up Joe cuz Joe was just so collected. Um so Cade had a really rushed like last sequence where he missed like three throws kind of hard. Cause you're putting cold, right? Like the game's over. It doesn't matter. Um, but he kind of rushed it. So hopefully my hope is hopefully Cade gets to play a large portion of this game because we need Did, it. Yeah, no, for sure. Did Dylan land anywhere? No. Cause, um, Oh, that's a good point. Uh, I don't know where he is. I think he might be still taking classes. I don't know. Okay, okay. Because I, I I just try to look up like where he landed and I'm not finding anything. Yeah, I think he's opting out of the season. But yeah, I think, I think like, that's uh, But I think you're allowed this year you can go places, right? I don't know how it works. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But yeah, so that's the game. And then why don't you tell us about Purdue? And then, of course, uh, Nebraska and Wisconsin is now moot. And then we don't yep. want to hear about Ohio State. So why don't you tell us about the Chuchus? And then while switch to the Minnesota game. Okay. That sounds good. Um, so, I mean, not too much going on here. Um, we'll see if Jeff Brom and, and Rondell Moore are back for Purdue. Um, you know, I guess in terms of the Purdue Illinois series, it's, it's usually been dominated by the road team and this game is at Illinois. So Purdue has won four straight in Champaign and they've actually won six of the last seven, but Illinois has won three of the last four in West Lafayette. So I guess the question is, I guess Purdue hasn't um, been 2-0 in Big Ten play since 2010. Um, So if they are able to be Illinois tomorrow, it'll be the first time that they'll be 2-0 in Big Ten play since So the funny joke that I heard was, Mm -hmm. um, so Coach Lovey is like a defensive coach. And the two funny jokes about Lovey is when they made six-win Illinois, I guess. uh, Yeah, Yeah. last year. Yeah, uh, he shaved his beard. Yes, I remember and, that. Uh, I think, yeah, they beat Purdue. So, um, but then shaving the beard was bad juju. So now they're bad again. <laughs> the other joke is because Coach Lavi is like a defensive team. And mm-hmm. I have no idea what this means because, you know, one of Huhu Hale's weakness is the defensive side of the ball, like defensive yeah. schemes. But one guy said on the podcast that they're a Tampa 2 team without the Tampa. Which I guess it means they're like a defense without a defense. That's the joke. Um, okay. But meaning it's rough times. Mm-hmm. 
uh, rough times down in Champagne. Oof. So, uh, what will you be watching for this weekend? I guess we're watching for Michigan to Michigan State. I want, you know, I want QB three to QB two to get a lot of run, and for you is to not have a letdown, huh? Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I will. I should be able to catch the Michigan game because it is before the Indiana game. Yeah, <laughs> um, this weekend. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good timing. Then I can watch both. Mm-hmm. Um, so good luck to you. Uh, let's. To you. I want to watch. I want to watch Minnesota. So let's uh, turn to game. That sounds good. All right. Well, it's been a great week, Jeff, and I will talk to you soon. Hoo hoo. Hail.